Welcome to The Ocean, episode 25. I'm Adam Mosley. Today we're picking up our conversation once again with author and speaker Rebecca Tosik. And if you were around for last week, you know she's got so much more to share with us. And I'm so happy we get this opportunity. So stick around. The Ocean Podcast. Life and faith that's welcoming, affirming, and encouraging to others and yourself. Here's our host, Adam Mosley. Well, you know, occasionally you just get into one of these conversations and it just goes on and on and on and and dives into so many new topics. Uh, Rebecca Tosig was one of those conversations. We talked for well over an hour and there's so much good content here. I just wanted you guys to hear more of it. So we're going to pick up this conversation again, right where we left off last week. One of the things that you talk about in the book, and honestly, I don't know if you say these words or if it was just my interpretation, but it's kind of this idea that disability is, is a spectrum. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the things I know you do say is that uh, everyone, if they live long enough, will eventually become disabled. That to me, like, like that's just a little nugget that just really stuck out to me that personalizes some of the, some of the more academic, you know, theory stuff. Well, I, yeah, the, um, the disability as a continuum is an interesting idea. Um, cause I don't think I say that explicitly, but I will say that I've actually come to think of disability <laughs> as a web of continuums. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's a whole web of continuums mm. that are constantly shifting yeah. depending on time and depending on space. So depending mm. on, um, you know, we're always constantly traveling through time, um, and we're always shifting in different environments and we have this whole host of abilities and disabilities that are constantly moving all of the time, yeah, depending yeah. on where you are in time or space. Um, I, you know, I mean, like even so much as like, um, I, it's interesting, um, I just had a baby and I, I went through the whole like being pregnant thing. And it's amazing how being pregnant overlaps so much with my experience of disability, but it's this very temporary um, moment in time. Right. And I, I, you know, connected with other women who um, would never think about being pregnant as a disability, but like, Mm -hmm. by the time you're at the end of being pregnant, a lot of us are pretty much functionally disabled, you know, like (laughs) that's kind of, right? Like you need the world to adapt around you. You, um, your body has different needs than it did before. Um, so all that to say, I I think, um, we don't tend to think about, we, we tend to put disability in these really tiny rigid categories. Like, um, and, and I happen to live in a body that is very tidally fits into that, right? Like a wheelchair is the symbol for disability. So I'm disabled and that feels black and white, but, um, but I don't, I don't think that, actually like if you just kind of toss that word out for a minute disability and just think about a body and having a body and what what limits your experience in that body um where and when and how and why do you have access in any given moment um i think that is a much uh sturdier way of thinking about bodies in general um like you mentioned we are all susceptible to the frail. I mean, like we all have bodies. We're all susceptible to the frailties of those bodies and we will all age. 
it's gonna happen. Um, and yes. as you age, things tend to wear down and break down and get complicated. Um, <laughs> you know, and some of us are experiencing that earlier and, and, um, some of us, you know, might, might not ever get to be older and, um, that happens too, but yeah. for the most part, we are in this together, you know, like we <laughs> right. all, right. and I feel like COVID has heightened that in some ways. And, I don't know. Some people have ignored it harder than ever. There's that too, but, um, <laughs> yes. but we're all vulnerable. Um, yeah. and, and so as much as we can think about those vulnerabilities ahead of time and think of us as a part of something together now, I just yeah. think that's better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you, that you touch on in the book, you don't, I don't think you really go into a whole lot of depth on it is this idea that, uh, well, first of all, uh, that disabled people are more than their disability. Like, like you are an academic, you're a teacher, you're, you're a consultant. You're not just a person in a wheelchair. You're a person that actually has a brain and, and has something to offer the world. Um, but also that in building our world with different disabilities in mind, that we actually create a better world for everyone. Uh, and one of the examples that you use is, is the, the cutouts on the, in the sidewalk. Can you, can you just rehash that, um, yes. for those who haven't read the book? Yes, because this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, <laughs> I feel, uh, I think we see this over and over and over again. I think when we build our world, when we build physical structures, when we build, when we build social structures, when we build classrooms. I think if we have a, the disabled body, the disabled person in mind, when we, when we design things, we will come up with the most innovative, flexible, inclusive designs for everyone. So yeah. curb cuts were designed with wheelchair users in mind as ways for wheelchair users to move from block to block in their neighborhoods and be mm -hmm. able to access their community a little bit more. But as soon as we created curb cuts, like all kinds of people were surprised by how much easier the world suddenly <laughs> was because parents with strollers and um, and vendors with food carts and people with chronic pain who just didn't want to take a giant step up, but a smaller incline would benefit them. Um, it just made the world easier for more people, not just wheelchair users. I think closed captioning is another really good example of that, yeah. right? Like, especially yeah. now, um, we're all scrolling on our phones you know, at work or in the airport or wherever. Right. And we don't necessarily want everyone to know what the audio content is. So we're reading closed captioning all the time now, yeah. but those were that closed captioning was created for people with hearing impairments. Right. Um, so that's the kind of thing I, I love to think about. And I like to think about other ways we could do that. Like what would it mean for us to um, have disabled people in mind when we are um, creating our, ideas about love and romance you know like mm, yeah. what if what if that was part of what we thought or what we imagined for ourselves when we thought about partnership was bodies that have vulnerabilities and limitations yeah. you know as opposed yeah. to imagining that we'll be partnered with someone who will never need caregiving ever you know <laughs> right, like right anyways yeah, and, I, and I, that and that really comes down to having having representation in the room, right? Like in the, in the writer's rooms of TV and, and film in the, you know, in the world of architecture in the world of engineering and, and because, because it's not, it's not always about the creativity of the person. Sometimes it's just about the perspective. 
right? And thinking, thinking about those things. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, like I, I, I think um, every table, every every writer's room, every design team um, uh, could use that that perspective because it's not it's not even a matter of being smart enough or creative uh, yeah. creative enough. Like, like you said, it's just lived experience of things um, that we don't think of when we don't have to think about them. Right, right. You know, I, I think about in in my life the little things that that my wife has has sort of alerted me to because she's short right like i'm a little bit over six feet tall she's like five feet tall Mm -hmm. and so like things like upper cabinets Mm -hmm. that she can't reach without a stool you know and and places that we sit where she goes like, yeah, my feet don't touch the ground here. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think about those things because I don't have those problems. Right. The things I think about are like my knees crammed into the back of the seat on the airplane, you know, that she doesn't have a problem with. And it, like, we're all just better together, right? Like we're better when we, when we have these different perspectives in our lives. That's one of the big like pushes that, you know, listeners to the podcast hear me make all the time is that, we're better when we have a variety of perspectives speaking into our, our journey. And it, honestly, it's a more, it's a more enjoyable journey too okay. than, than being surrounded by people who are just like you all the time. So you, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times, and by the way, I'm the whole time that we're doing this interview, I'm, I'm watching your cats in the background oh. and they, they're like just cuddled up. Oh, you can see them. They're just like snuggling with each other. They're so happy. Uh, yeah, they, they need each other these days, especially, um, <laughs> yeah, they, that's their favorite. They're always with me in my zooms. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. That's on awesome. the bridge couch, they're like fixtures. I forget they're back there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've, you mentioned a couple of times, um, that, uh, you had a baby. Yeah. So that's something that came about between the time that you wrote the book and, and now, which by the way, you released a book in the middle of a pandemic, yes. um, which had to be a challenge, uh, but also meant that you didn't have to go on some crazy book tour. <laughs> so that's a, that's a plus. Honestly, um, honestly. But, but so, yeah, so you released a book and you had a baby. Um, what has that done to your world? Like that whole motherhood thing. Like I know. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been, unbelievable it's um I finished the book on a uh like the full manuscript for it I sent it off on a Monday evening like late at night on a Monday evening was very surprised to find out that I was pregnant less than 24 hours later oh wow and then um something you didn't mention but was also happening at the same time was the next Tuesday my partner Micah was we were very shocked to find out that he had cancer um so all of the yes all of those things were happening at the same time um and then uh and then right before our baby was born then there was the pandemic which happened all is continuing still happening um his whole life has been under the umbrella of this pandemic um it's weird to refer to it as an umbrella because umbrellas shelter us from things i don't think that that's a very good (laughs) analogy um we yeah and then the book came out uh uh, when otto was like three months old so Mm -hmm. it's just been surreal it's been like what i is there a normal 
world waiting for us after this is over? I don't think so. It just feels like everything has been thrown up in the air and let, and who knows where this will land or what it means. It's all in flux. Um, yeah. And and like you mentioned, everything's through Zoom. So I, I'm doing like library readings and, and, um, and zooming with podcasters and it's all happening in this room. Like I don't yeah. ever leave my yeah. house. Um, <laughs> so it's all like a, a little bit of a weird dream. Um, and I think, you know, like we mentioned, we, we talked about like that feeling where you start to see something differently and then suddenly everything, like you realize like that you have that earth shift in your brain earth shifted in your brain that's not very, <laughs> and it's not a very good analogy either um but um like when everything changes i yeah. auto being born in and the last nine ish months with him have felt that way to me mm. as well it's it's been a new it's been a fresh turn of ev where everything feels different and new again um yeah. and in a way that i'm not very articulate about <laughs> you know um that's when you have a child as young as that, you don't have to be articulate about it. Thank anything. you. You're just Thank trying to survive. <laughs> I, I'm ready for my next nap. Yeah. He, he doesn't love, he, he will do anything to not sleep. Yeah. Um, so that's been the last nine months as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, I think that he is bringing up parts of that internalized ableism that we mentioned that I, I thought had been, you know, taken mm. care of. Yeah. you know that's all in the past yeah. he's brought up a lot of things like that about you know me having to grapple with what a mother looks like what it means to be a mom because mm -hmm. this is a different kind of mothering than I've ever seen anyone do I yeah. don't know I I didn't grow up having moms that used wheelchairs and so um we're you know we're figuring out most things from scratch and yeah. it's 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 pretty trippy <laughs> yeah I mean I, th I think the you know, the common ground that you have with, with every parent out there is that with your first one, everyone is just figuring it out. So, you know, there are lots of books and there are lots of things, but at the end of the day, like it comes down to you and your kid and your partner, if there's a partner involved, like just trying to, just trying to sort it out and just, uh, figuring, figuring each other out. You're trying so hard to sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> but then like, like you said, in the midst of that, mm -hmm. um, uh, Micah was diagnosed with cancer and, and dealing with that. Um, and so first of all, first of all, how's Micah doing? Everybody thank, wants to know. Yes. Thank you for asking because I, I keep getting like emails from people who are like, but how's Micah? I'm like, Oh shoot. I don't have, that's such an awful cliffhanger for the book. Micah <laughs> is doing well. Um, Micah, let's see. He's just rounding his like one year check-in. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so far the cancer has not come back. His recovery has been a little more brutal and in unexpected ways. You know, we didn't totally expect exactly how this recovery would go, but, but I think the, the part about cancer not coming back is really the bottom line that we really, yeah. that matters the most. And yeah. so far we're really grateful that it hasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, reading, um, about that confluence of events baby mike has cancer i wondered maybe it's maybe this is not a thing but i wondered if you had any sort of a shift in perspective like like oh 
I am now the caretaker, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm now the one that, that, that is required, expected to take care of these other people in my life. Yeah. Yeah. We, I definitely moved in and out of that when I was pregnant. It was sort of this strange thing with Micah and me, um, like his treatment and my pregnancy were like stacked on each other, like mirrors. Um, wow because his treatment was supposed to be nine months long and obviously nine month pregnancy. And we, 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 uh, we would sort of morph to the other person. So like when I was really sick, Micah seemed to be doing better and he was sort mm. of taking care of me. And then, uh, and then he would get really sick and I would be doing better and I would take yeah. care of him. It was really pretty miraculous. I mm. I'm going to use that word to watch. <laughs> um, it also might've just been like our bodies sending little messages to each other saying like, okay, it's your turn. That's your turn. Um, but you know, one thing that really did stand out to me throughout the whole thing was, um, you know, we go back to go back to that idea of people being symbols, you know, mm. people would see my body and they would think sick or, you know, disabled or frail. Mm. And they would see Micah's body and say healthy and strong. Mm. And, you know, even so much so that like when we would, I would go with him to the cancer center and people would look at me and say, can I check you in? And I'm like, no, 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 no. this one, he's the one. Um, And, and so there was this way of realizing that, and and then at the same time, my pregnancy was pretty normal, you know, like Mm. everybody, I was high risk and everybody was paying really close attention to me, but Otto and I were pretty much fine the whole time um, in a way that I think just really messes with our concepts of healthy and not healthy to go back to that continuum, you know, that's always shifting over time is that bodies are complicated and there are ways that my body is weaker than Micah's, but there are ways that my body has been incredibly strong. Um, and, And I was able to witness that with my pregnancy and birth of Otto in a way that was, that wasn't pretty incredible for me mm. just to live through, um, sure. the larger scope of, of my life. As much as I say that definitely would choose to pass on that situation if we could have, you know, of like, course. uh, <laughs> yeah, every time any, the pre- any, keep the pregnancy, lose the cancer. Yeah, that's right. That's yes. right. Thank yes. you for clarifying that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> the other, the other question I had about that is, um, because you still have, you know, family, friends, all those sorts of things. Uh, as Micah was going through his, uh, got his diagnosis, was going through his treatment. I'm sure that you had a lot of people, you know, saying, Hey, we, we're going to pray for him. We're going to pray for healing. And like, did that drudge up any of those old uh, memories? How did that hit you? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. Um, oh gosh. I almost like want to pull Micah in here. <laughs> go for it. Micah, do you want to come and help me answer this question? Sure. Love <laughs> you. Did you hear his question? I I was not paying the close. That's okay. <laughs> well, you don't you don't listen in closely on, oh, on all of her Zoom calls. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't anticipating it. No. Um, we're talking about your cancer, mm-hmm. and um, and just the you know both Micah's family and my family, um, are strong faith prayer committed to that perspective and, um, faith system. And so when we brought your diagnosis to both of our families, there was a ton of surrounding us in prayer and like specifically like 
on your side of the family, people praying for your healing. Yeah. Like, like miraculous. Yeah. Healing. Yeah. 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 My man, Stephen, uh, my older brother at the time was a pastor at a, a, a pretty large church. And he would tell me that like people were praying for me because he was like, they would do the thing with all the pastors, like once a week, like getting together, yeah. praying. Yeah over prayer requests and i think that i was just kind of like always in that rotation yeah. and they're and they are like one of those churches where they believe in like miraculous results from prayer yeah and stuff like yeah that. so how did that like help me remember and how and i want to know what you would say like how did that feel i don't think it bothered me mm-hmm. knowing that mm-hmm. um you know i think i think that we started to kind of joke about beyond our families like praying for us like actually praying for us is a like a lot of we had to like break that news to a lot of different people at different times yeah so that they knew what was going on with us and it was kind of surprising how many of them would sort of round out that conversation by telling <laughs> me that they would pray for me yeah you know yeah sort of almost like a nervous tick yeah. a little bit yeah what else like, do you say i don't know i don't know where, i don't know how yeah. to finish yeah. this conversation yeah. so i'll just tell you that i'm gonna pray for you well because, yeah. uh, yes yes because the alternative is i'll be thinking about I'll you be, like, i'll be thinking of you i think i think that and and another thing that about that was that i i started to kind of appreciate when people would just say that they were thinking about mm-hmm. me because that, I mean, to me, like I'll be praying for you most of the time. That just means I'll be thinking about you and what you're going <laughs> right. through. That means something to just, you. Just means I'm I'm ending the conversation now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you're in my thoughts, and I think that I started to appreciate that more because it. I didn't have to go through that extra step of of sort of saying like you're saying this, but what you really mean is this. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It felt yeah. like real like honest and forthright i guess yeah yeah but i i don't overall i mean i think some of the people who said they were gonna pray for me probably did yeah (laughs) well and i think i also felt like i think that there was a feeling for me that was like sure do it (laughs) hey you know what go for it (laughs) yeah can't hurt right yeah that's right i have a have a friend that says um he says he's a pastor friend of mine he says he says i don't I don't believe in an interventionist God, but sometimes I pray for people just in case. <laughs> you know? what, what is, what's the harm going to be? Yeah, yeah. Throw it up there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Micah, I'm curious if, if you experience any, um, any level, uh, of what Rebecca talked about, about being a symbol, sort of being a, being an, an object for people to sort of like rally around and have faith and pray and all that kind of stuff. I think that, um, that probably would have been more likely to happen if I, if we had been like attending a church, maybe. Yeah, sure. Like yeah. being surrounded by that right. community. Yeah, on. like, like, come on up, Micah. We're gonna put our hands on you and pray. Yeah. Like, uh, excuse me, I didn't ask for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. That's a really interesting thing to think about, though, because um, like we haven't talked about this, Adam, but like 
one of the things that happens a lot with visibly disabled people and happened with me all the time was pe- like people stopping me, strangers stopping me in places and asking if they can pray for my healing. Yeah. I wonder what that would have felt like for you to have people pray for your healing. Well, I think, I think, you know, just based on my personality, being the center of attention on any level for any reason <laughs> would have been pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, I think, but like for me growing up, I, and that, or even later, I mean, all throughout life, when people do that, it's like such an exercise. It's so clearly an exercise for them. Like, yeah. I know that this is, I know how this is going to go. Yeah, I know yeah. what's going to happen at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, but, but, it, but it's a violation though, right? Like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I definitely um, have felt violated is the word. And I think for a long time, I felt like that was such strong language. You know, mm-hmm. I felt almost like guilty saying, or like I was being dramatic by saying yeah. that. But um, yeah, I've definitely had experiences where at the end of it, it felt like something was done to me. Mm-hmm. That I need mm-hmm. to go into With, like without your consent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, it can feel really gross, and and especially and there's so many parts of it that feel gross. But when you're in the middle of feeling good and fine and and mm. i don't know for lack of a better word normal and yeah. you're going about your day to be called into that like oh no there's something yeah. wrong here that's supposed to be righted that god is supposed yeah. to be, you know like it's so yeah, just, like hey hey you're broken let's try to fix you yeah right. and no one yeah. else in this room is broken it's just me i'm the one <laughs> right you're like well <laughs> turn it back on them well, why don't i pray for you you seem kind of messed up um, <laughs> There's so, there's so much we could talk about. Like it just, as we, as we talk, I think about, you know, the, the parts of the book where you write about sexism and misogyny and, and those conversations with other women and how they played out in, in your life. So if you want to learn more about that, you've got to read the book. Sorry, just go get the book, buy it, read it. It's good stuff. Um, but, uh, as we, as we wrap up here, obviously there's a lot that you poured into the book and then you've had this, this wild ride of a, you know, the the past year, 18 months. Um, What do you want people to take away from this conversation? At the very least, I know that your listeners, a lot of them, most of them um, are, have a relationship with the church in some capacity, right? Grew up in the church, maybe. Sometimes Um, a very complicated relationship. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that for those of us, for those of us that um, grew up in the church, um, we we really have been given a pretty small swath of narrative um, mm. to think about disability and like what that experience can be. It shows up like in songs and in sermons, and we know how that story goes usually, right? Yeah. Um, the broken one that Jesus came to heal. Um, but I, I guess I I would hope that. Um, this conversation would just sort of crack the door open a little bit for us to think about disability um, and that experience as being um, just as broad and dynamic and rambling as any human life and um, and just open up a little bit of curiosity to start thinking about that differently Um, maybe reading some books I don't know Um, (laughs) to start thinking about about that experience as more than just that tiny little box we most of us have been handed yeah yeah I I think of the, I think of the story uh, of the, of the blind man and the religious leaders of that time, you know, 2000 years ago, ask Jesus, like, what sin has this man committed or, or have his parents committed? Uh, And that is 
that is the the narrative like you like you said earlier like maybe not as explicit now as as it has been at other times in the past but certainly there's uh within certain faith communities and and theological structures there's this idea that well if you have enough faith then good things happen and if you don't have enough faith then bad things happen so if a bad thing happened you know you must have not had enough faith and and i think i think you're right i think i think we have to get away from that and we have to recognize as we're thinking about um disability on these continuums that that you know at some level we're all um we're all that that blind man or that you know whatever like we 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 have bodies that that are enabled differently yeah. uh, and and that change over time like you say in time and and space mm-hmm. uh and i think i think for our listeners who are a lot of us in the process of deconstructing and and sort of decomposing and recomposing our our faith and the way that we view life and perspective different perspectives um this has to be part of that conversation it has to be an area in which we are actively informing ourselves and i think your book is a great starting point mm-hmm. um it's not <laughs> it's not academic even though you are an academic it's not scary uh it's it's a really well written memoir um and i think you are incredibly vulnerable in it <laughs> you're cringing <laughs> um, you're incredibly vulnerable in the ways that you've had to challenge yourself in the way that you view disability which sort of gives the rest of us a little bit of permission to be challenged as well and to not feel like we're being preached at, but just like, we're just all in this, on this journey together and figuring this out together. And so I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Thank you um, so the book is sitting pretty, uh, it's available everywhere. So, um, people can run out and grab that. Uh, if you want to do the ebook, if you want to do the, the book in print, go to your local bookstore, mask up, call ahead, whatever, but support your local bookstores. It's always important. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can check out uh, more information about Rebecca, Rebecca Is that yeah, correct? That's right. Yeah. com, And, uh, and we are just incredibly grateful, Rebecca, to have had you here as part of the ocean. Oh, I'm so glad you invited me. I really like this conversation meant a lot to me. I, Thank you so much for creating the safe space to have it. Thanks for coming. And and thanks to Micah for impromptu, <laughs> his impromptu. Uh, sorry, uh, everyone. In. <laughs> not sorry. Not sorry. We got, we got two for one tonight. That's, sorry, that's not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, it was so great to have Rebecca on the podcast. I would encourage you to pick up her book and really begin to think deeply and often about how ableism shows up in your life and in the lives of those around you. Until next week, I'm Adam Mosley, and that's all I've got. The Ocean Podcast is produced and written by me, Adam Mosley, and recorded in Athens, Georgia. The theme music was composed by Irina Kakiani, and the opening voiceover is by Rachel West. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Adam Mosley. For reproduction, interviews, or bookings, email request at theoceanpodcast.com.